Talking to that one. Hello, hello. Check, 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 check. Good to go. Awesome. Thank you. Um, cool. <laughs> Ready? Ready. <laughs> I'm Heidi Berkey. And I'm Rachel Goble. And this is the Ethical Storytelling Podcast. Gotta keep it fun. (laughs) Welcome to the Ethical Storytelling Podcast Power Dynamics Series. We have three incredibly special guests for this series who come from a wide diversity of backgrounds and cultures. And we also have the amazing Janelle Aldred, who is hosting this season's podcast, Janelle has been a personal friend of mine since we first met in London a few years back and immediately connected over ethical storytelling. And she's worked at many of the UK's largest broadcasting organizations, including the BBC, ITV, and ITN. She has also been an active part of ethical storytelling as we continue to grow and expand our community. So we're excited that we're able to continue adding new voices and perspectives. And if it's something that you might be interested in contributing to, please do reach out through the contact form on our website. We have lots of ways to get involved from contributing to the blog or perhaps participating in our next podcast series and other ways as well. So please do reach out through ethicalstorytelling.com. We'd love to hear from you. Well, thank you, Janelle, so much for hosting these incredible conversations with our guests. And thank you so much to our guests for your humility, your honesty, and your generosity in sharing the wisdom that you've learned and are still learning. And I think we're still on this journey of learning. We forever will be. And so thank you so much for opening yourself up and being willing to share um, regardless of where you are in that journey. Yeah, no, it was absolutely amazing. And I think I really enjoyed every conversation. They were all different because we had three different people coming from three different contexts, lenses, faces. And it was just so interesting just to hear the similarities through each mm. interview and the differences that people had through each interview as well of, of, of where they're at and their view of, of power dynamics and storytelling. Mm-hmm. It was really, really interesting. So what would you say as you reflect back on those were some of the threads that came out for you that were common between all three of our guests? I think in every single one of them was humility. Mm. In a humility to be able to be incorrect in the way they were doing things and humility to change mm. because we can all be called out for things. It's just whether or not you have the humility to say, okay, you called me out and you know what? It stings, mm. but that was true. And actually I'm now going to change. And so I think there was, there was that in all of them. Um, I think the, also the, the other thing that really came through so strongly was deep listening, mm. a lot of listening mm-hmm. um, because how can we truly level a power dynamic if we've not listened to the other person and I think they were really all in their own ways big listeners yeah big listeners yeah and so and also a willingness to put yourself to the side Mm. for the cause that you say Mm -hmm. you are promoting Mm. and I think those are probably three, three of the biggest kind of things. They were all willing to say, okay, well, I can put myself to the side. Mm-hmm. I can, I'm willing to not be the hero. I'm willing to not be the center of, of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just, um, yeah, present in, in all three of them. Mm-hmm. I think the first point that you made about humility and that willingness to uh, pivot and to receive feedback 
um, when feedback is given to you rather than to try to um, maybe build up your walls against that feedback. Uh, I think what that what I hear in that that I think is a takeaway for all of us in kind of these this ethical storytelling journey is that perfection isn't the goal. Um, I mean, I think we could all strive for what we would hope to be closer to kind of this quote unquote um, best practices. But at the end of the day, it is a journey. And when you're working with people, um, no two situations are going to be the same. And that, that concept and that um, posturing of humility is the goal, I think, yeah. in this space. It's, it's, it's less about am I doing it perfectly and more about am I asking for feedback? Am I receiving that feedback? And am I willing to shift and to pivot and to have the humility necessary for my own growth in my own story and in my own process. Because you're also getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think um, in the conversations uh, with Lisa, you know, it depends on how you're seeing yourself in the situation. And that's the thing about the power, power dynamic. Do you see yourself mm-hmm. as the helper, the all-knowing person who has all the answers? Or are mm-hmm. you seeing yourself as someone who is here to help and here to learn, like mm-hmm. you just mentioned? And if it's the latter then it's easier to pivot. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you're seeing yourself as the person with the answers, yeah. the humility just can't, it, it can't exist in that space. And I think that is probably not just for um, social impact storytelling, probably in life in general, <laughs> actually. You know, you, you reflect, I reflect, you know, on myself in different situations, but actually to really think that if in anything you are going to give away your power mm-hmm. or you are going to, Maybe it's not even about giving away your power, but empowering other people so we're all on more of a level playing field. Mm. Then you have to be willing to be wrong. Yeah. Or else it just can't happen. And it's not, it's it's not in our humanity to want to do it's just Mm -hmm. we're just not wired that way. And we are not wired to enjoy it when someone points out that you're wrong. And you know, her question that I said to someone was, How did you learn to see that differently Mm. when people are calling you out? And it was really interesting. One of the things that Rachel said was just about how she came to think more as a positive. Mm-hmm. And actually, we tend to think about calling out as a negative, mm. but actually to not think about it as a negative thing, actually to think, ah, this is an opportunity for growth. Like, it's, this is not someone calling me out because they're out to get me or they think I'm a bad person, but actually they're just calling me out because they're saying, not you, but this thing that you're doing is, yeah. is just not helpful. Yeah. And so actually, how can we all as we seek to be more ethical, more fair, more true, not always see it as this, someone's calling me out. But actually, someone's calling me out. And actually calling someone out for me is honesty, it's truth, you care. If I don't care, I'll just leave you doing what you're doing because it's, you know, what's Mm -hmm. it to me? But actually for someone to take the time to say, you know what, I know you're helping, but this is like not great. Mm. What actually a respect and honoring Mm -hmm. um, that person would come to you and say that to you directly. Yeah. When it goes back, when Lisa was talking about what is your intention? Yeah. And I think if, if all of us, as we ask that question and reflect on that question, what is our intention in our helping, in our nonprofit, in our work, in the power dynamics that may be present? Um, reflecting on what is our intention and then in that space, thinking of that as we maybe receive feedback or you might sing a little bit, ooh, it's never fun. But to go back to that, what is my intention? And then how do I incorporate that feedback into bringing that intention to even more life and to truth? And I think one of the great things that Kent said was, 
you know, we need to see it not as a hindrance to what we're doing. Mm. Because often you can think, all oh, these extra things I have to consider is like a hindrance to me just telling the story that I want to tell. Yeah. But actually, how do we not see it as a hindrance? And how do we see it as kind of our strength in terms of what we're trying to actually achieve here? Mm-hmm. And because for me, this argument, if it's if the argument's the right word, it's a hearts and minds thing. Mm. Because unless people receive this into themselves as, as something that they can do or something that they are doing or something that is done, um, it is a hindrance mm-hmm. and it is a checkbox exercise. Mm-hmm. I now have to consider how to ethically tell this story and, and how to give away my power and yeah. my privilege. <laughs> and it just all seems like, oh, this is so annoying. But as you know, it comes back to the intention. Because if your intention is really to help, mm. then what is the problem in overcoming these things? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, having worked in a new space and having worked in um, a not new space or not-for-profit space, mm. I think one of the things that confounded me often was in a newsroom, you have this uh, deadline. Mm. And so everyone does whatever they do to get to the finish line. It doesn't matter if we're not talking. Like, you can see two reporters having a stand-up row, like, seconds before, <laughs> but we're close to the point of it going on air and so everyone will put their hands to the wheel so we cross the finish line because the news always comes on on time mm-hmm. and it ends on time. Mm-hmm. And the, this is not not going out tonight. This is, mm-hmm. this is going to make, as we say. We're gonna, mm-hmm. It's going to make. Um, but sometimes what I have observed in other spaces is that sometimes we don't cross the finish line because we don't agree. Mm. And it does give away your power in that moment that someone that just said that your work is rubbish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to sit down with them to work it out so it makes. Mm-hmm. But that is the level of ego that has to drop yeah. so that we actually get what we said we intended to do, which is get this piece out on air. Yeah. And so I, I long for the day in these spaces where actually the, the lack of agreement doesn't actually hinder the work being done. But for that to happen, you you have to have the right intention Mm. and it has to be part of your heart and mind space that actually the intention and the end goal Mm -hmm. has to happen and has to happen the way it needs to happen. So actually when you get there, we feel like as a team, we cross this line together. Mm. And I think of all the powerful, you know, I think my favorite question that I asked everyone was what's your biggest myth? Yeah. Or what's the biggest myth in in power dynamics and if you've heard all the interviews you'll you'll have heard them but if you haven't you know one person said that there isn't a power dynamic Mm. and someone else said um that the biggest myth is that they don't think that donors know how much power they have Mm. and that massively Mm -hmm. was a real light switch i'd never thought about that before that actually who has the most power in this kind of triangle that we've created Mm. Because actually what organizations will say is that they're doing something for the donor so the donor can understand so they can keep giving, mm-hmm. so they can keep working. Yeah. And so it was just really interesting to think about the different answers to um, the biggest myth in like power dynamics. Mm. And so I think it's really interesting. So if you haven't listened to all of the <laughs> podcasts and sometimes it can feel like it's, you know, there's lots mm-hmm. to listen to and there's lots to digest, but I think hearing it from different perspectives brings a different light in terms of how even I was thinking about the conversation mm. from speaking to Lisa to Rachel to Kent mm-hmm. and each one of them had a slightly different twist on on their approach to it and, and how they've overcome it and how what they think it is and what they see it as and that's actually um really also shaped my thinking 
But this is what we want. This mm-hmm. is we we want to come alongside other people to say, well, how do you see this? Mm-hmm. And how can I be changed and be better? And whether that's me being better as in more gracious to someone who's on a journey, whether that's me being better by, okay, well, actually, this is a better way to do it. Mm. It's all helpful. So did you personally have any moments of uncomfortability or wrestling or your own um, kind of enlightenment during this process? I I think it's interesting, isn't it, when you're the person asking the questions because you get to be the judgy one. (laughs) (laughs) Where you'll say, well, how did you navigate this? I think for me, it, it probably has definitely left me with more questions and more thinking and more thinking about power dynamics and how are they at play in the big picture Mm -hmm. because we can go micro but it's the macro story that's been told that is the one that we need to do the shifting on and how do we collectively do it when we're all coming from our own micro perspective Mm -hmm. I think the interesting I think the, the big thing for me probably was the thinking of the donor is actually the most powerful person in this, mm. then our thoughts must go to how do we, and I don't want to say educate, because sometimes that can just feel so, well, how can we educate sure. you so that you can be better in a system that Add we a kind of created? The... Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Communication cycle. Because although they're, yeah. they're holding that, that power, mm. um, they haven't put themselves up to that power mm. in that same sense. Um, but we're all beholden to them mm-hmm. and the people who receive the help feel beholden to them too mm-hmm. and telling a good story for that imaginary person and so I think it's just the fact that power dynamics is something that's not talked about much mm-hmm. and it's definitely the elephant in the room and I think it's great to just name it and to think about the shifting power dynamics how they're going to shift what will it look like in the future mm-hmm. um, different things I'm talking about in a world where the person who you're writing a story about can see it mm. and can read it and mm-hmm. what are they going to think about the words that you've used to talk about them mm. um so the power dynamics are shifting whether or not people want them to because of the way the world is mm-hmm. and the way accessibility is mm-hmm. just websites and annual reports and all of those things and all the stories that are out there so it's just how do we now decide to steward it and and who do we want to be yeah i love that and i think i'm thinking a lot about the the myth um, that you speak of with the donor. And I just also want to highlight that there are incredible donors yeah. and investors out there. And at the organization that I've been a part of for 12 years, um, I've been so encouraged by a couple of different things. And one of those being donors that actually want to come and see the work. And I really resonated when Lisa talked about inviting donors to actually stand on the soil and listen to the stories of the people mm. and have that shape the way that they view maybe the impact of their gift um, or why they're giving. Um, but to invite people to actually come and listen and to be present. Um, and I think we've had donors come and visit, and I know a lot of nonprofits do this, but to do, I think to curate those experiences maybe a little bit differently than you would normally think about and to really invite people that are financial investors into the great work that you were doing to actually be a part of it. And that means sharing those stories of lessons learned and sharing uh, why you do the work that you do and inviting them into that and, and trusting that they will continue to give and maybe even more abundantly because of that. And also sharing the history mm-hmm. of it. And, you know, and to really understand that when you go on a trip, it's not about don't wear a short skirt, 
yeah. and <laughs> don't give them chocolate. And, you know, because those are the, those are things that we tend to talk about. Mm-hmm. Keep your handbag safe. Yeah. You know, those are the things that typically that's the instructions that we give. Right. When actually maybe as, as kind of Kenneth said, the instruction should be, please read upon the history of this country before right. you come. Exactly. And as Lisa said, you know, please stand here and, and, and hear the stories of slavery and yeah. hear the stories of colonization and hear yeah. the stories of how this country came to be in this place that they are now in. Mm. That you come here understanding the, the true story mm-hmm. and not just the individual moment, as kind of Rachel alluded to, the moment that we're in. So yeah. we can tell about the moment that we're in. Yeah. But actually, this person's life, yeah. this work is about so much more than this failed crop this year. Mm. That's that's a moment. This is this that is, but that's not there. That's not the entirety of the story, and that's not contextual. Yeah. And I think all of them, in their own way, spoke about context and 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 how important that is. And you know, Kent kind of you know, if you heard, well, he he was just kind of speaking about the fact that maybe you're not meant to be the size of a 200 million pound a year organization. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're a 2 million pound a year and you raise that with donors who are so invested in the work, long-term, sustainable, and in it rather than trying to create these bite-sized stories that are going to titillate everyone. Exactly. And so donors holding the power is not because they're trying to hold the power. It's just because they're holding the power. Yeah. And I don't think that they put themselves in that position Mm. in that sense. And I think they probably unwittingly become in that position in, in, <laughs> in a real in real terms mm-hmm. because we need the cash to keep the work going. Yeah. So I think it's just really, really interesting conversations that I think mm. could go on and on. And I, and I hope they do go on and on because actually, if in anything in life, you go away, hear a great thing and be like, okay, well, it was great to, to discuss that. Mm-hmm. And then we drop it there. Um, as Kent kind of, these are the, kind of conversations that you hope go back to the creative teams and the marketing teams of yeah. these organizations yeah. as a continual learning process of how can we be better and better at this yeah. um that as lisa put it we can actually help people who we're saying we want to help them to flourish yeah but we actually help them to flourish yeah. yep and one other quote that i think might be a good one for us to close on is from lisa and it's your organization is a bridge that knits the world back together. And I love that because I think for for those of us that are in the nonprofit space or the social impact space or the social sector space or the do good space, um, it oftentimes can feel, I think, like we're alone and we're trying and we're doing everything we know how to do. But I think that, that we are uniquely positioned um, to invite different voices, different people, donors, constituents, colleagues, um, community members to the table and that there is something really beautiful in thinking about we have an incredible, incredible, I think, positioning in, in the work that we do um, to contribute to knitting the world back together. Amen. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Janelle. Thank you. You're the best. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening and stay tuned for hopefully another podcast series um, within the next annual year. Take care. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for taking time to listen and explore what it means to ethically tell stories with us. Make sure to visit ethicalstorytelling.com for more practical resources on ethical storytelling. 
including blog posts, new podcasts, and upcoming webinars. Please tell your friends about ethical storytelling. It's small and a labor of love, and we all do this because we want to see change. So help us spread the word with your family and friends. Before we say goodbye, we'd love to thank everyone that helped on the show this week. You all, the listeners, for tuning in. Kyle Hara for editing each episode. Lauren Ellis for web support. And music by Brooke for free. We'll see you next week.